Let's open our Bible to Ezekiel. We're going to sum up some of the things that have been said and, and uh, hopefully take it a step further in a practical route concerning the role of intercession in your life. I want to be real strong about it. And we've had a couple different people ask the question, how many of you are intercessors? And often we'd only get two or three people to raise your hand. But I want to be real bold. We're all intercessors. We're all intercessors because God seeks uh, us to be a answer in circumstances that are unique to each of us. There'll be things you pray about that will never come up on my radar. Things within your sphere of authority. Things within your responsibility. Things within the desire of your heart. You know, it doesn't surprise me at all if God has Pastor David Landis up at night praying for Novosibirsk. But not, he, he didn't wake Pat up about it. No, Pat might be up praying about Burkina Faso. You know, and, and it's important that we see that. Here in Ezekiel 22, we, we see God's, could I use the word, God's desperation? It says in verse 30, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. See, see, whenever you talk about the judgment of God, you have to see the judgment of God on a, on a balancing scale of the love of God and justice. See, see, God is a just God, and He even has to be just towards the devil. See, if God's not just, he'll be the one guilty of sin. He can't let the guiltless off. Not unless someone comes with an atonement. Not unless someone comes and stands in the gap and intervenes, which is the root meaning of intercessor. So God here, he's saying, look, it's come to the point where it's not just to withhold judgment. It, it, the grace of God has a limit. I don't know if people understand that. You know, thank God for His grace. Thank God for His grace. But there comes a point where justice has to be enacted. And at that point, even at that point, he, he, he didn't want to do it. He says right there he didn't want to do it. He said, I sought, my eyes sought to and fro throughout the whole earth. If I could just find one man. Well, we have an example of it where he did find a man. He came down with his angels because justice demanded that Sodom and Gomorrah be destroyed. But he didn't go right to Sodom and Gomorrah, did he? And you're familiar with the scriptures. You can read it in the book of Genesis if you're not. Uh, You'll find that he, he comes down, God himself, he comes down and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Abraham because I know Abraham that he'll teach his children after him. And I don't know that you ever really apply that because you teach this, this experience of Abraham and God in this prayer encounter, but do we really realize that that entire prayer encounter wasn't for Abraham, it was because God knew he would teach his children. I still don't think he got it. See, what God intended was that Abraham would teach his children about praying to God and sparing ten righteous. Amen. 
So it's important that we teach the next generation about intercession. And God came down because he, if, if we find God's character consistent, and that's a biblical doctrine, God doesn't change. And we see in Ezekiel 22 that he didn't want to destroy the land, so he looked for an intercessor. Then that tells me God didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So he, he, he tried to find a man, and he did. He found Abraham. And Abraham stood in the gap. Abraham made up the hedge. And Abraham pleaded justice with God. Let the Lord be just. Let the Lord be righteous. What if there are 50 righteous? What if there are 40 righteous? And, and, and uh, not, not to be too funny, but Abraham Jewed him down. He was the first Jew, you know, and he, and he, and he, and he Jewed him down to 10, but there weren't even 10. But now even with the fact that there weren't 10, God's grace was still there and, and saved Lot and, and his daughters. Amen. See, God's grace is available, but the role of the intercessor is essential in the earth. Now it begins, I believe, on, on individual levels. But as the Bible shows us, it goes all the way up to the top of governments and principalities and powers and why there are wars. If we look in 2 Corinthians 16, and I didn't see this until some months ago, actually studying war. In December of 2020, after having so many words or having a word of the Lord to stop a war and so many confirmations about that. December 2020, I was sitting right over there and, and during worship, and the Lord spoke to me and said, prepare for war. And it shocked me so much, I actually sunk into my seat. And so I began to study a war, because how do you prepare for war? And uh, here in Second Chronicles 16, we always quote the verse, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Sounds similar to Ezekiel, doesn't it? To show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. But see, in this case, Asa's heart was not perfect. And God's eyes had to keep moving on. And as a result, God says, herein you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you're going to have wars. You see, before this, Asa relied on the Lord for deliverance. But he stopped placing his confidence in God and he put his confidence in his, in the arm of the flesh and in money and in armies and in, and in defense. And he, and he stopped having this walk with God that was basically comprised of dependence and intercession. And God's, and God told the whole story. Look, Asa. Here's, you had your chance. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to find somebody whose heart is right. And there was a period of time when Asa's heart was right. But, but not any longer. And he said, now, you, because you've done foolishly, oh, family, we don't want to be fools. Because you've done foolishly, you're going to have wars. I don't know any other verse that's as clear as this one that says the reason you have wars is a prayer failure. It's a heart failure. Well, I do believe James picked it up right from here. I don't know that uh, 
any scholars brought that out or not. Maybe it's in some commentary. I, I never saw it, but it became real clear to me if you go over in James chapter 4, where he says, where does war come from? This is a real serious question. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back on Thursday to Ukraine. They're averaging a hundred soldiers killed every day, Ukrainians. We don't know how many Russians, usually it's three to one. So if a hundred Ukrainian soldiers are killed, it's probably about 300 Russians. Averaging anywhere from 800 to a thousand wounded every day. Entire cities and villages are just simply being leveled. And when I say leveled, I mean it's just level. There's nothing standing. Rubble. Nothing been like it since World War II. And actually, it looks like World War II, but the, t- the tactics are more World War I. Trench warfare. Just literally inching forward by yards. Blow out this neighborhood. Level it. Street fighting. Fighting house to house. It's it's horror. And you look at that and you got believers there on both sides. You've got you got questions, why? Hanging over every conversation. And where's God in all this mess? Well, where is God in all this mess? His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. That's where God is. Where is God in all this mess? He's looking for a man that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge before him for the land that he doesn't have to pour out wrath and judgment. And not everything is, is judgment. You know, I was, I was talking to a dear brother just earlier today. He asked, it's a very intellectual question. You know, is God judging Ukraine by this war? And I said, you know, my answer is, if some evil man rapes a girl, is the girl being judged? See, not everything's judgment. Sometimes there's just evil in the earth. Satan is is moving in in uh, Antichrist spirit is moving very similar to Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin. None of these things are new. You know, just as the believers in '39 were looking at Hitler and in this changing shape of Europe and how 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 it was a crisis and it was vulnerable and civilization was was in peril. Well, now we're, we're looking at very similar situations, only it's Putin. But we're, we're looking at va- vastly the same thing, but it's actually worse. Because Hitler didn't have nukes. And I, I could stand here and paint a really dark picture until you're trembling in your seat. And I've sat with... NATO diplomats that were trembling in their seat as they told me things. But I'm not going to tremble because Jesus said, see to it that your heart is not afraid because I know his eyes are moving to and fro throughout the earth. And I know, and I learned it a long time ago, for every Pharaoh, there is a Joseph. And for every Nebuchadnezzar, there is a Daniel. And for every Putin, there is an Armstrong. And there's a Burroughs. And there's a Landis and there's a Hawk. Yeah. There's a Stoltzfus. See, because God's eyes go to and fro. And prior to the cross, prior to the cross, when he found a man, he had to find that man among prophet, priests, and kings. After the cross, we're everywhere. You talk about chapping the devil off. The Spirit's been poured out. 
see, and that's why I wanted to come back to the very first statement I made. We're all intercessors. We're all intercessors. We're all intercessors. God uses us all. We're all temples of the Holy Spirit and He indwells us and He rests upon us. Can you say amen? Amen. And so His eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth to find someone whose heart is perfect towards Him. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you born again? Is there anything you can do to make that relationship any better than what the blood of Jesus did? Is your heart perfect towards God? Then you qualify. And lift your hands up and say, Lord, look no further. Here I am. Look no further. See, you're, you're well equipped to be used by the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, Pastor Bob will tell you, Prophet Bob will tell you. In Colossians chapter 1, it, it talks there. Go with me quick. How God has prepared you and you're well equipped to do the will of God. He said in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering." With joyfulness. Now verse 12 is what I want you to see. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. When the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth and He looks at you, that's who they see. That's who He sees. You're well able to be used of the Lord in every good work. So in the middle of the night when the Spirit comes on you and whispers in your heart that your little niece needs prayer or your boss is is in a situation or a crisis, whatever it might be, you can respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you can pray effectively in the earth and bring change. And that's where it begins on a local level, on an individual level. But it grows and it increases into the church level until I firmly believe that the body of Christ is the key to stopping war. And war is stopped by prayer. You look at all the chaos of all of these political things. I did a lot of studying starting in 2014 about the, the, the history before God had me research before World War I what the world was like. And what caused this cataclysmic collision that caused war? What was the world like before World War II that caused all these political forces to come together until they would kill millions and just throw away common sense and diplomacy? What were these triggers? And and very quickly, by 14 and 15, I realized what we were looking at in 14 and 15 has only increased since then was ten times worse than what was before World War I and World War II. And I realized in 14 and 15, the fact that we weren't in an all-out worldwide war and fistfight brawl had to be the grace of God. Because I looked around in World War II, at least you had a Churchill. 
I don't see any Churchills. You, I look around and I, I don't see any key leaders that can get us out of this. I don't see any who are well-versed in diplomacy. I, I don't see anything in the natural to hang my hope on. And I guess in the end, if we look back at Second Chronicles 16.9, maybe that's a good thing. Because we don't even have the arm of the flesh to lean on. But what can we lean on? The fact that Jesus is alive. The fact that Jesus is still on the throne. The fact that the Holy Ghost is moving in the earth. The fact that He has always overplayed the devil. Outplayed the devil. Outsmarted the devil. Outfoxed the devil. He's always ten steps ahead of the devil. And that's why I begin to find hope and firm belief that this is all going to turn back on Mr. Putin and the Russian government's going to be swept aside and revival's going to hit the nation of Russia like never before. And we're going to be a part of that too. It may take, I'm not going to put a timeline to it. It might take a week. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. I ain't even going to think about that. I'm just going to think about where I'm going. Amen? And we're going to preach this gospel because uh, the alternative is not the will of God. There's no way I can see all-out nuclear war as being the will of God. And uh, praise God. So we're going to push through it. And in that, then, we've got to start at the individual level because if you can't believe God for a pair of socks, how are you going to believe God for a president? Amen. But flip with me now over to the book of Galatians. And I want to, last night I talked about the burden of the Lord. And we talked about some of the excesses and abuses that, that took place in the body of Christ when intercession was a fad word back in uh, the 80s and early 90s. And anything taken to extreme can become error. You know, I, I, I remember back in the early 80s when I started going to different meetings and and uh, the cool fad thing at that time was to be slain in the spirit and if you weren't slain in the spirit there's probably something wrong with you in fact I remember sitting talking to my mom she had never been slain in the spirit up to that time and she started feeling guilty like something must be something wrong with her because the anointing of God would knock somebody over that was next to her and then they'd pray for her and nothing would happen and the guy on this side would get slain in the spirit what she didn't know is both in some of those cases, some of these guys falling down were just cons. I've been I've been into some some services, you know, where you know you lay hands on them and you know they're just falling down just because they want to fall down. It's just like playing games. I never did understand that. Never did understand it. But people uh, like to draw attention to themselves, I guess. And you get into churches. I don't know if you remember it. We don't even. It seems to be so rare now, we don't really even have catchers. Used to always have catchers. Drop claws. Some girl gets slain in the spirit, you gotta cover up her legs. I don't see any drop claws. Where's the drop claws? Do you have some? They're in a little box over there. And you use them. Amen. But, uh, I remember when I found out where catchers came from. I mean, here you are laying hands on people and they're slaying in the spirit and you got some usher that's going to catch them and gently lay them down. You know where they came from? They came from Oral Roberts' tent meetings 
when he laid hands on someone, they fell over and they hurt their back and they sued him. That's where catchers came from because people were getting uh, hurt or people would fake it. Well, I don't know. I figure we just let the Lord be the Lord. Amen. I don't, I don't, I'm not against catchers. I just don't figure you need them. I remember, uh, uh, Terry was there. Uh, we had, we had a woman come forward for prayer in the Cory Community Center. And she was great with child. And there was some problem with her pregnancy. I don't remember what it was, but I mean, she had a big belly. Looked like she was ready to pop. So the husband and the wife came forward and held hands. You, were you there? Do you remember that? I don't think you were there, though. That was in Cory. And uh, we, ha- we were in this community center with cement floors, tile floors. And we did have catchers. But when I laid hands on them, they didn't fall backwards. They fell forwards. I, ha- I laid hands on both of them, you know, husband and wife. They were holding hands. She had this big belly, and they fell forward. Both of them did. So I was polite and stepped out of the way. And they went right flat on her face. And I looked at it and thought, I hope it was God. I mean, I didn't push. You can't say I pushed them. Amen. Well, not long ago, I got a photo of the baby. It was a girl. And she's running the TV camera at the Assembly of God Church in Erie. Amen. That was that, that, that little baby that was supposed to have complications. Uh, uh, glory to God. I mean, if God's going to knock you down, let God catch you. What's that? I'm so kind. I am kind towards the Lord. He gets a bad rap. Like God can't do a miracle without some catcher. I'm not against catchers. Don't go out of here and say, I'm not, you know. But what I was talking about is it became a fad. And everyone has this thing about it until literally people would just fall down because they, they were supposed to. Yeah, or they'd knock them down. I don't know, David, you'd knock any of them down. There was a couple, <laughs> there was a couple times my wife said I needed a, a, a life mint or a lifesaver or a breath mint or, or, or that's why they were falling down. People were. <laughs> you weren't one of them, I know. I'm just going to preach over here because he's always happy. It just kind of radiates. Amen. No, so the same thing happened in the 80s with intercession and people get really weird. They, they, they want to get closer to God so they'd fly in an airplane because you could pray better up in an airplane. I, you know, I, everybody talks about COVID. Where did all these stupid people come from? I think they must have come out of church from the 80s. Everybody has these weird ideas, you know. How many of you know you don't need to get an airplane to get close to God? I mean, I'm pretty sure we're, we're temples of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's always these extremes. But the problem, why are there extremes? I'm convinced is the devil pushes these extremes to muddy the water so you can't see the real. I mean, I know one time I, as a young man, I got... Slain in the spirit for like three hours. It was a life tra- transforming experience for me. I don't want to make it religious. I want to enjoy the reality of God. 
And God wants a real experience relationship with you with intercession. He wants to use you in these deeper areas of, 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 of taking a burden on for a person to be saved or, or for a, an, a business and an idea to be birthed through the Spirit with creativity or for a church to be birthed and born in the Spirit or for the very character and holiness of God to be born again or birthed again in an individual who's backslid. But it takes an intercessor. One of the greatest books you can read to really see this is the biography, autobiography of Charles Finney. But you want to get the right one because the one that was released after he died had been edited and uh, on into the early 90s, two students found the original manuscript in England and they realized that the autobiography of Charles Finney had been edited. So they republished it and everything that had been taken out, they put in big black print. And you can flip through and see everything that was taken out. And you just flip through it and most everything that was taken out was about intercession. And, and Finney talking about how he would lay on his face and groan in the Spirit and he couldn't stop himself from groaning. One was, it was he was talking about how he, he was preaching and the joy of the Lord hit him and he began to laugh so uncontrollably he became embarrassed so he went and stuck his head in the fireplace. There was no fire. It was in the summertime. But, but he went and stuck his head in the fireplace because he didn't want to see people, people to see him laughing uncontrollably. He couldn't stop from laughing. You ever heard of that before? See, we think it's new. This is back in the mid-1800s. And, and, of course, he also had a prayer partner by the name of Daniel Nash. And Daniel Nash would be led by the Spirit to go to a city. He didn't even know Finney was going to show up. And he would rent a room. And he would lay on his face and, and pray and groan. And one of the first things he did, this was interesting, Nash would go into one of these cities. And when we say city, we're talking a western town at the time in New York. You know, whiskey saloons and, 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 and Indian killing drunk cowboy types, you know, not, not a civilized place. And he'd go into some of these cities and he'd say, and he'd talk to some of the people, the believers that were there, and he'd say, who's, who's the most wicked man in town? Who, who's, who's the worst in, in your town? And he'd write their names down. And he'd go up and rent a room, get on his face and pray for these men until they got saved. And he didn't evangelize them. But they'd get saved. Finney'd come to town and the most evil man in the town had already got born again and people are talking about the gospel. And usually when Finney got there, it was already moving. He just harvested it. And, uh, you know, one time Nash was, was groaning in the spirit so much, he, he was causing a disturbance. He didn't have a place for privacy, so he went out in the woods. And he found a hollow log and crawled up inside a hollow log so he could groan in the spirit. He said, well, why would you do that? Because the spirit of God's on you. It's not fake. Now, don't go out in the woods and try to find a hollow log and crawl up into it and try to be Daniel Nash. Because it's the same thing as just falling over. But I'll tell you this, when the Spirit of God falls on you, respond to it. And, and no, I, I don't know, you may never have that strong of a manifestation. I've had it a few times in my life. But I don't seek it. 
I'm not going to fall over just because you pray for me. But if you pray for me and the power of God hits me and I open my eyes and I'm on the floor, okay. You know, one time Terry was there, Bob was there. We went to see a guy named Steve Solomon in an Assembly of God church in Union City. And I was, I told God I quit. I told God I wasn't going back to Russia. I told God I couldn't, and this is what I told him. I said, I can't look my people in the face and tell them I'm leaving again. Because it was hard on them. It's hard on me, hard on my wife, hard on my kids. And uh, Steve Solomon was a, a Jewish, I don't, how do you describe Steve Solomon? He was a radio host. He'd get people saved over the radio and then tell them, go in your bathtub and draw the water. You're going to be baptized right on the radio. I mean, he was wild and, and, and full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so Steve Solomon, we, he called us up, I guess, because he knew we were pastors. There was six or eight of us and we're all in a line. He lays hands on them and they all fall over nice. Like cordwood, you know. And he lays hands on me and I don't fall over. I don't feel any sensation of being slain in the spirit. But he pushes me. And he pushes me all the way up against the wall. Well, somewhere right near the wall, I fell over. And I mean, I'm laying on my back. My eyes are closed and I'm laying on my back and everybody's laughing. And I don't know why they're laughing. And so I open my eyes and the entire church is on the wall. I'm laying on my back, obviously, but they're on the wall. I mean, I was stuck to this wall and gravity had twisted. I thought I was laying on my back and I was stuck to a wall. I, I started laughing when I saw the whole church congregation on a wall. And I started kicking with my foot and kicked a hole in the church wall. Well, I don't expect that every time. Right? Thank God. Well, well, neither should you expect a burden that will make you crawl into a log until you groan and moan, right? But knowing about it, knowing about it ought to open up your heart to receive whatever God has and chooses to, to give to you. And some of you are going to have mighty manifestations of prayer and intercession. Why? Because if you don't, this world's lost. We've never faced a greater harvest. We've never faced a greater need. God's got to bring up a generation. I'm jealous. You young people are going to see more miracles in your generation than the past generations have ever dreamed of seeing. And I, I just can't go to bed at night thinking I haven't helped get you a little bit further down the road. Amen? Amen? See, you need to see the, the power that's in intercessory prayer. When Daniel Nash died, uh, they found him literally in, in one of these rooms on his face praying, and he died while he was praying. He's an old man. He died. He went to be with the Lord. But when he died, they found him praying over a little notebook that he kept, his little prayer book. And I believe it was R.A. Torrey wrote an article about it because what amazed them is they took this prayer book and, and, and he'd, he'd had it for several years. And, and understand there'd been this huge revival moved through New York that, that was about 10 years long. So they looked through this prayer book and the dates he had on his praying 
he prayed through these cities in order and they pulled out the map in the, in the newspapers that covered the revival and the revival followed his praying. City to city, that man was used of God to pave the way for the revival in New York. Now, who got the credit? Charles Finney. But I guess Charles Finney wouldn't have taken the credit. But just we like to make heroes out of people, don't we? How many of you know Jesus said, go to your closet and shut the door? Amen. I believe God will use us all at, at, in tremendous levels. And he'll give you burden for specific things. Here in Galatians 4, verse 19, I want you to see something Paul said. Seems like he just said it in passing. Well, that in itself is important. Because anything you just kind of say in passing, the only way you can do that is you're making the assumption they understand it. Like if I'm preaching and I say, no PDAs, I just assume everybody knows what a PDA is. Y'all know what a PDA is? Because Karen doesn't. Well, she does now. She never heard it before. But I just assumed everybody knew what a PDA was, a public display of affection. So when you say something offhanded or in passing, what you're doing is making an assumption that people know what you're talking about. And here in Galatians 4.19, Paul says this just in passing. It's just inserted between his argument as if he expected everybody to know full well what he's talking about. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now everybody in Galatia understood what he was talking about, but I, I found out uh, that, that, that we're, we're really kind of far behind on some of this. Notice what he said. He said, first of all, my little children of whom I travail in birth. There's, a, there's something about travail. Now that word itself, you follow it out through the Bible. It's, it's the word that you would use when a woman gives birth. She's in travail. She's, she, she's having contractions. She's in the heat of it. You know, we're talking about the pain. We're talking about the pressure. We're talking about the time. It's time to give birth. And, 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 and her whole body's responding. And, and I'll tell you what, they change. My lovely, lovely wife with our first child, when she was in travail for how many hours? Eight hours. You know, I'm trying to comfort her and these Burning coals of fire looked at me and said, don't touch me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Travail serious stuff, man. Men, you just step back and walk in love and smile and get go boil water. So this travail is, an, is a word used frequently throughout the Bible, as I said last night, I'm going to say things that are condensed. You need to do your own Bible study. We don't have time to cover it all. But travail is a word used over and over in relationship to prayer and intercession. And, and what's he saying here? My little children of whom I travail. Well, how many of you know Paul was a man, so he's not talking about natural childbirth. How can a man be talking about giving birth. He's travailing in prayer, right? But then he goes on, he says, travailing in birth 
again until Christ is formed in you. Now I'm just going to address one of the issues of a lack of spiritual growth in churches is not teaching. It's praying. Paul did not say, my, my little children, of whom I'm going to teach you more and more and more until Christ is formed in you. Now, don't, don't go off and say what I didn't say. I am a teacher. I'm never going to pull back on the authority of God's Word or the importance of God's Word. But I am going to say we've got an absence of prayer. And that's why we have weak Christianity. I'm, I'm convinced part of my spiritual strength was always because of the prayers of my mother and my grandmother and probably others that I'll never know who they are till I'm in heaven. Thank God they were praying for me. I know my, my youth pastor was praying for me. He, he was praying, God, give me a, somebody to disciple. And he looked among his youth group. I wasn't even in the youth group. I was a hellion that my mom drug me to church. And, 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 and he, he was praying, Lord, give me a young man to disciple. And he'd say, is it this one? No, no. And the Lord say, disciple Dale Armstrong. And he said, get thee behind me, devil. <laughs> but finally he submitted to the Lord. He started praying for me. Well, what's Paul saying here? My little children of whom I travail in birth again. So there was a first travail. And there was a second travail. The second travail was to form the character of Christ in the person. Well, then what's the first travail? Do you ever wonder why it's called a new birth? Do you ever, you ever wonder what's the difference between a new birth and a conversion? You know, some people come to Jesus intellectually. Some people get born again and they don't even have a clue what's going on except the world is different. And grass is green. And they're walking around in peace and joy and wondering, what is this? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You see, the, the new births at the altar are sparse or abundant as a thermometer of the intercession of the church, not the effectiveness of the evangelist. Even Dwight L. Moody, a tremendous evangelist, made that statement all the time that evangelism depended upon the, the furnace room, the boiler room, the back place where everybody was on their face praying. And, and there was a revival that hit England that, that was, was plotted down right to a small group of old ladies that got together to pray and intercede and they wouldn't quit. Come on. We've got to recognize for the next generation facing the challenges we're facing, if we don't win this battle on the, in the realm of intercession, well, we're going to lose the battle. Amen. And, and, and so Paul talked about travailing in birth. Travailing in birth. Terry gave her testimony that was such a, a strong uh, instrument in my life early on when she shared how as a, just a new believer without a lot of teaching in her background she had moved to California and she was praying in tongues every morning before the Lord and she had a piece of paper that she wrote the names of her friends on and, and every one of them got saved every one of them 
Well, well, what's that worth to you? If you take out a piece of paper and write out all the names of all your friends that aren't born again, and they're going to be saved, what's that worth to you? Is it worth some time on your knees? Amen. See, again, as I taught this afternoon, you know, Epaphras labored fervently in prayer. But I don't believe you can do that out of a slavish duty or discipline because the pastor says you're supposed to. The only way you can labor fervently and not quit is you get a taste of success. You get a taste that God answers prayer. You get one guy saved because you spent some time praying. Then you don't quit. Because it works. You bring to the birth. You intercede and you give birth in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost comes and dwells on you. Maybe I'm being a little bit unorthodox, but just like the Holy Ghost came on Mary and there was a child born in her womb, the Holy Ghost comes on you and something is birthed in the Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's how you, that's how you plant churches. That's how you start businesses. That, that, that's how you, you patent ideas. That's how you get your neighbors saved. You birth it out in the Spirit. You, you, you recognize that the Holy Ghost is moving. And here Paul is, is coming up short and he says, well, I interceded. I travailed until you got born again, but now I see I got to keep going. I got to travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Think about that. Let's be honest. How many times we've seen somebody backslide and we think, well, they, you know, we, we were teaching the word in our church. We put them through the discipleship course. I know that guy. He even had scriptures memorized. Where did it go wrong? I'll tell you one, one of the ways, if we just read honestly what Paul said, if Christ wasn't formed in him, it's because somebody didn't continue to travail. You know, you see somebody get saved. Why don't you adopt them in the spirit? Can I do that? Why not? I don't know, but try it. Stick their name on your refrigerator. Put your, put their, my, my, I, Terry and I, we pastored our first church and Mary Rattan took our picture and put it in her Bible. She said, I'm praying for you every day. I don't know if God told her to do it or she told herself to do it, but she did it. And I know it had a huge impact on my ministry, had a huge impact on our children, had a ch- huge impact on the church. Amen. Be, take the initiative and say, I'm going to give birth to a miracle. Go with me over to Isaiah 66. I had a, such a desire when I uh, got saved to preach the gospel. And it, it was blowing up on the inside of me. So the Methodists put me through a course. I preached my first sermon in a Methodist church and Actually, the first time I preached, I preached twice in one day because it was a Methodist charge. You had to drive from one church to the other and uh, had miracles the first time I preached. There were several people in both congregations that were insomniacs and they all went to sleep. I mean, I knew I had a miracle ministry right from the beginning. But one of the things, because I was so young 
and because I knew very, very little, uh, and I wanted to do these things, it worked for my good because about all I could do was pray. That's a good thing. When you're insecure, you don't have the confidence, you don't have the experience. I didn't have any stories to say or to tell. People talk about, oh, I like Pastor Dale's preaching. He's got these cool stories. Well, you ought to listen to some of these old sermons. I ain't got no stories. I just say, turn in your Bible, read the scripture. Isn't that good? Let's look at this scripture. That one says the same one thing the first scripture says. That's good too. Let's go over to this scripture. I didn't have any stories to put in between. But some ways that's even better because I preached a whole lot of word. Amen. And, uh, but boy, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I would pray. And during that whole period of time, I, I somehow accidentally learned to, to birth the sermon, to birth the, the meeting in, in my spirit and, and get before the Lord and groan. Yeah, groan. I'd pick it up like it was an object. Could, could feel it. I did the same thing with my business, especially when I was going down. I was in debt. It was, it was, it was a horrible situation. I thought I was going to lose it. So I, I just got so desperate. I didn't know you could pastor your business like you could pastor your church. I didn't know that I could take my business like it's a ball in my spirit and bring it to the throne of God just like I could the church. And pray and meditate on the word. And I got an answer and got delivered. Amen. So desperation is not a bad thing as long as you seek the Lord. And, uh, during this period of time, I just, I just got so tired of religion and denominations and being boxed in. And I, I, I was seeing other kinds of churches on television. And there was this wild, wild dude every Sunday morning called Kenneth Copeland. And, 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 you know, and we're talking about, I was in an environment, I know Shane will never understand this, but I was in an environment where you go to the church, you, you couldn't raise your hand. If you raised your hand, they, they, they thought you were looking for the toilet. Shane was, used to be that way. He, he got, he got evangelized by beauty. He followed this beautiful girl into a church and got trapped and had a, had a guest speaker. What's that? <laughs> he got trapped by the Holy Ghost. God caught him. Not her. No, she didn't trap him. He was chasing her. He trapped her. He chased her until he, she caught him. That's how it is. But I still remember me yelling at him to raise his hands and worship God. And... <laughs> What's that? I, I pushed your hands up. Yeah, you know. Bless God. He's still here. <laughs> but I saw that there was another vision for churches. And I started to pray. And I'd pray, but I didn't know what I was praying or how I was praying. But I had a burden. See, you don't, might not know what it is. But if, but if you recognize it's a burden, you gotta pray it out. You, you might not know what it is. I guess, you know, you get pregnant, you don't know if it's a boy or a girl. You know, you, there's some mystery in it. You get this burden. I didn't know what it was. 
I'd never had it before, but I prayed it for months and months. And then, because I was insecure, I wanted to go to Rama Bible Training Center because who, who's going to listen to a, a kid who's never been to Bible school and isn't ordained? And I knew the Methodists were going to kick me out. That was inevitable. And then who's going to want me? You know, I'm going to be a, just a piece of trash on the sidewalk. So I, I need to go to Rama. I need I need somebody to ordain me. I need you know I need some Bible schooling and and I went out there and and uh, the first day I arrived at Rama, I'm standing in Brother Hagen's office and 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 my 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 cousin opened some doors and and I'm like this is this is what I want and the Spirit of God came on me. So this is not what I I, I have for you. I never called you here. Go home. I was crushed. It's like I had this big, my, my dreams were this big balloon and God gives you a pin. And uh, I, I went to God and said, you know, I just don't understand this. I want to stay. You ever argue with God? I mean, it's, it's a waste of time. It's like arguing. You ain't going to win, right? It's like some of you men trying to argue with your wife. What on earth are you? Just forget it. You girls really just don't respond. When I give you a wide open door of opportunity, man, I keep trying to pull them out. But So the Lord said, you got to go back because you're responsible. And I didn't know what I was responsible for. Now later, he gave me seven things. But in the spring, when he immediately told me to go back, he took me to Isaiah 66. Look here. Let's start in verse 8. Who has heard such a thing? Isaiah 66, 8. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? See, what he's talking about is it takes a season to bring forth. You plant in the spring, you reap in the fall. Well, what if you could plant and reap in one day? <laughs> Aaron Raid make a lot of money. If you could plant and reap in one day. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? See, God's, there's no stillborns in intercession. See, you're going to begin to pray and get the birthing in the Spirit. You're, you're also birthing responsibility. Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? The, the implied answer to that is no in both cases. And what the Lord showed me is, son, you've been, you've been laying out on your face. You've been praying. You've been interceding for a church. And you've birthed, you've brought it you brought it right to the point of birthing. And then you run away. And here you are. So when I went back, the week after I came back in October that fall, we started uh, Grace Fellowship in Titusville, Pennsylvania. The very first service was in Hazel Keys' house. The very first service, we had a guy come in late. I was sitting on a couch. I preached from the couch. Terry was on my left. It was a little love seat. 
and uh, there was nowhere for him to sit, so he sat down on the floor with his back against the armchair of the couch. His name was Bruce Latibu. And uh, I preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That was the first sermon. And I said, anybody want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And Bruce looks up like this and says, I do. So I didn't even have to get up. I just put my hand on his head. And he started speaking in tongues. That was the first service. How come it happened like that? Because something got birthed in the Spirit. All of these things, your businesses, forming Christ into your children. Come on. See, there's a, there's a, there's a missing area here because it's hard to measure. You can't always see an hour in tongues and a manifestation here. But that's where the faith factor comes in. You believe that intercession and prayer works, so you pray, then you begin to look for manifestations. And it's as simple as this, because some people will just call them coincidences. But I've found out that the more I pray in the Spirit, the more coincidences I have. And when I slack off on, on interceding, when I slack off on groaning in the Spirit, the coincidences seem to be thinning out. Boy, when you get to that point and you really walk in the reality that your prayers are working, whew, you just, just get up a little bit differently in the morning because you can give birth to things. You can give birth to creative ideas. You can give birth to an entire management structure of your, of your children's uh, school. And you didn't have an answer, and all of a sudden you wake up and you got an answer. You can, you can pray uh, uh, and, and birth churches and cities you haven't even been in yet. Or what God sent me many times to cities. You know, I've, I've preached all over the world, but there's six or eight cities I still have never preached in, but I've prayed in them. God sent me there just to walk the streets and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pastor David's been to Novosibirsk and preached in the church there. And uh, part, of the, part of that, I got to preach the very first service of that church when they started it. But before that, a year and a half before that, God sent me to Novosibirsk. There was no church. But I spent three days in the winter walking the streets of Novosibirsk just praying in tongues. I wasn't passing out tracts. Somebody said, how do you start churches? Walk on the streets and pass out tracts? Well, that's a good way to evangelize, but that's not how I start churches. I start churches by praying and birthing it in the Spirit and bringing it forth. And you don't even know maybe who the people are. They're going to carry it out. Maybe it's part of it will be you. But, but isn't it a coincidence that after I prayed like that and then a team came in to, to start the church there in Nova Sibiris, isn't it a coincidence that they'd asked me to preach the first sermon? See, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence. But if you pray like that, you'll have a whole bunch of coincidences. And it's going to be up to you to draw a straight line between your prayer time and that success. Can I call it a success? I don't, that might not be the right word. You know what I'm saying. Manifestation. Yeah, manifestation. But see, here's the point. It's your life. You can do with it what you want. But the eyes of the Lord 
are running to and fro. And, 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 and the Lord's looking at you as much as he's looking at me. See, I hate this. that Well, you know, now Terry, she's an intercessor. God doesn't deal with me that way. People think that. No, Terry's an intercessor because she's got a heart after God. She's been disciplined and she's pressed in. And, and you can too. You can too. Say, I can too. I can too. I can too. See, here I am, Lord. Don't look any further. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I like, maybe it's so old, some of you don't know who he was, but there's a Korean pastor. He's in heaven now, Paul Yonji Cho. And uh, he was just getting started in some of the things of God. Didn't even have a bicycle. Didn't have a desk. And he, he had a Bible. And he, and he saw in the Bible principles of prayer. And he asked the Lord for a desk and, a, and, a, and a, a nice chair like the Americans have with wheels on it so he could be a big shot. And a bicycle so he could get around to the people in his church. And he went out and told his elders, Well, I prayed, I got a desk and a chair and a bicycle. And they all said, where, Pastor? Show it to us. And I'll never forget him telling the testimony. He says, right here. I'm pregnant with it. I'm pregnant. What are you pregnant with? Now, I'm not a liberal leftist, and I'm not a transsexual, but I've been pregnant many times. (laughs) What a world when you have to make that clear. Let's stand up on our feet. Did you get anything out of that this week? Amen. You better equipped to be an intercessor. We got any intercessors in here? How many intercessors do we have in here? That's better. That's better. Amen. Did you see that, sweetheart? That's better. Amen. Bob, come and pray for us. You can prophesy too. You could preach. This is, this is my best friend. I love you, buddy. Mm. Stretch your hands out towards this man of God that just delivered the word of the Lord to you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know how the anointing works. It goes from the head down. And I know where there's unity within that. I know that there's a commanded blessing that manifests because of that unity. And I believe the spirit of unity has affected your heart this week because why we've joined together as one, we've made up the hedge, we've stood in the gap, and we've made intercession and prayers and declaration. We've we've done the things that have been upon our heart, and I believe the Lord is well pleased with each and every one of you that have totally given yourself over. So uh, I just want to encourage you. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we just lift up this apostle of God to you. We want to thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, for the revelation you've given him, for the insight, for the directives. Lord God, for the divine purpose and intentions of your heart that you have placed within him. So Lord, we as the great armada, we stand in unison. 
we thank you for the angelic beings that you've given charge over him to protect him and keep him in all of his ways. We thank you, Father, that no weapon ever formed against him or his household or the ministry here of Armada will ever prosper. But everything, everything the enemy has intended, it, the plans are broken right now because no weapon formed against him can prosper and every tongue that rises against him, that includes judgment, guilt, shame, condemnation, and pain. That includes sickness and disease and poverty. That includes every aspect in the name of Jesus Christ of, of demonic witchcraft of negativity and those things are broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ word curses you're gonna die you die right now dead to the ground in the name of Jesus so father we just give you praise right now we give you praise for victory we give you praise right now for the insight to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the, the divine utterances of the Lord. I thank you for the favor that you've placed upon him. I thank you for the open doors that you've given him. I thank you, Father God, for the influence that you'll use him by the anointing of God that will open doors that no man can close, will produce favor beyond his wildest expectations. And Lord, we stand with him in the name of Jesus Christ for that which he has declared and decreed over this week. And Lord, we bless you. We do. We bless you, Lord Jesus. So Father, we're asking you for your strength. We're asking you for your strength for him and his wife in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we stand together as our motto with them. And Lord, I bless you. I bless you, Father, for the comfort of the Holy Spirit each and every day. I thank you for divine guidance and leadership each and every day. I thank you for provision beyond their wildest dreams. They'll never be lack, never be lack in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I give you praise right now. Father, as, 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 as he gets on a plane again, I thank you right now that you will you will take care of this woman of God's every, every need in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you will bring the comfort and the peace and the joy and the strength and the things that are needed each step of the way. Father, we bless you for that. We stand in the name of Jesus Christ and thank you for the plan of the Lord. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ for the things that were declared and decreed over Russia, over the Ukraine. It shall come to pass just as the man of God has said in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we want to thank you right now. You promised us where two or three of us are gathered together in your name. You're in the midst of us. And Lord, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Now let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house. And Father God, those that are not here this evening, that have been here, that Lord have received by the Spirit of God that which you have imparted into them, I thank you for the impartations and the stirrings of the Holy Spirit that have been caused and manifested in their hearts. I thank you for the spirit of prayer that has rested in this house and has increased by a greater degrees than we've ever seen it in the past. Lord, I give you praise that each and every one will be willing and obedient to do that which you show them each step of the way, that you will direct their pathway, you will direct their prayer life, and Lord God, that they will cause manifestations of great grace, of great power, and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit each and every step of the way. I thank you right now for a fresh anointing upon their eyes to become seers in the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you right now, Father, for an anointing to come upon their ears, that they'll become more sensitive than ever before to the Spirit of God, to His leading, to His directives, and to His assignment. 
assignments that he gives them. Lord, I bless you right now for the stirring of the gifts of God and for the release of the power gifts to come forth through this great congregation here in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the utterance gifts that there's a stirring right now. A word of wisdom, word of knowledge will become in an increased capacity upon them. I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, you hold no good thing back from any one of them that you will show them your goodness in the land of the living and you will use them to shift and to change what needs to be shifted and changes in, in each day ahead in the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I thank you for fresh fire, a fresh anointing upon them. I thank you for showing them how to orchestrate their day to be in the right place at the right time and be able to give their time to you as you come upon them and you reveal truth to them. You reveal the secret things to them and you give them the assignments as they pray through. Father, we will see and we, we give you praise right now for manifestations of victory through all that's been said, all that's been done, all that's been done in your life here today and throughout this week. Father, we bless you for them. Lord, we give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ for all that you've done here. We thank you that the entrance of your word has brought light. We thank you, Lord, your word will not return void. It shall accomplish, and it is accomplishing that what you sent it for. And Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So love on one another as you go. We'll see you again soon. God bless you. Love you so much. new people, John. Hey, everybody, Colorado's here. <laughs> Let's all stand up. So glad to be, so glad that you're here with us tonight. Praise the Lord. We're going to wrap up a great week of Landmark. Worship the Lord, receive the Word of God, and shout a little bit. How about that? All the tame people have, have left, so just the rowdies are still here. Amen. Yeah. We can be unashamed in the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, just, just for the blessing of those who don't know, John, you want to introduce everybody or have them introduce themselves? Or? I'll have them introduce themselves because I'll mess up probably in that way. Kevin. Kevin, we're going to start with you. Who are you? Kevin. <laughs> Lene Krupp. Marlon's my husband right there. Raise your hand. <laughs> Kim. Kim Stolsby. Johnny. Johnny Cash. I am Bella Lavanese. Jill Lavanese. Debbie Hershey. Otter Stolsby. Kevin Krupp. Taylor Stolsby. Weston Krupp. Sandy Brookholder. And me. 
And did they do a great job this week leading us in worship? Thank you so much. And some of the worship team out here, God bless you. Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple. <laughs> glory, glory of God, the glory of God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and 
tell him how worthy he is yet again and again and again enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations you are worthy you are worthy to take the book you are worthy to break the seals you are worthy to read what is written therein you are worthy O God worthy is the lamb that was slain worthy is the lamb that was slain Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Great is thy name, O God. O Ramale Bredo Sahaye. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Said Dan. Hallelujah. Dan's in heaven saying hallelujah. (laughs) Amen, amen. Hey, glory to God, you're at Landmark. One way we love God's by loving one another. Turn around and greet somebody. Shake somebody's hand. Find somebody you ain't shook before. Find somebody you ain't hugged before. We're so glad you're with us. Glory to God. Well, I was so blessed. Thank you so much, uh, John, for integrating or involving or, or, or just including, I don't know what all the words are, uh, the wonderful folks from Colorado. And uh, that's such a blessing. Praise God. Amen. I don't know, in private, John asked me about it, and he said, I, I, I want to do it so that when we have Landmark in Colorado, they'll be ready. <laughs> oh, really? Well, look at that. Well, we're going to receive an offering tonight, and I was seeking the Lord during worship, and the Lord said, have a, have a running over offering. Because uh, according to the Lord, what he just told me, our, our budget's already met. We haven't counted the offering, but he said it's met, so it's met. But well, Luke 6.38 says, Given, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. So we're going to have a running over offering. I said, Lord, what's a running over offering? Well, it's going to take some money to get everything oriented so you can have a landmark in Colorado. So I guess all of that bears witness. 2024, huh? I'm being serious now, bro. Don't go, don't go down on me. All right, all right. Praise the Lord. So the offering tonight, we're going to earmark it for expenses for Landmark 2024. It's a running over offering. Glory to God. You say, well, I never heard anything like that. Well, neither have I, but stay with us and you'll hear more you never heard. Amen. You're making out a check. You make it out to Armada. A-R-M-A-D-A. Armada. Glory to God. Isn't it good to be a part of Armada? Amen. Somebody said, what is Armada? I said, it's a fleet of ships, a Spanish Armada. You got a whole bunch of ships together and they went to war. Well, we're not going to physical war, but we're certainly doing some more this week in the spirit. Amen. Sometimes you need to gather all the captains together and all the ships together it sure has been good to see everybody and uh, I was blessed today at lunch or dinner 
Katie was saying, it's interesting how the landmarks have become landmarks. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, we measure our life by landmarks. You know, one, one landmark, uh, I'm trying to tell your testimony, that's a terrible thing, but one landmark, I guess there was a word, word of knowledge, uh, or, or I guess I shared how God uses Terry and I to lay hands on families and uh, God blesses the womb. They have babies. And, uh, and we have. That's been a, there's been so many miracles, it's just phenomenal. And uh, so she ran up front at one landmark and had her baby at the next landmark. Amen. Now, I guess that makes a landmark a landmark. And I'm thinking this landmark with the theme of intercession, I imagine the landmarks of this landmark will be answers to prayer. And we want to hear what the Lord has done through your praying because it's all about what God wants to do through you. So excited to see how you're growing in Jesus and and, uh, fighting the good fight of faith and going forward. It's exciting. Amen. We got so much going on here and there. You know, Brian Wills is so busy. He, he, he was with us for one day. He, he sends his greetings and his regrets. He couldn't be with us longer. Uh, Larry and Kay had to head out this morning. They're preaching in West Virginia. Pastor uh, Sidney and Jen, they're, they're probably in Florida already by now, working in, in a conference down there. Just everybody's going this way and that way. And uh, tonight it's just us poor folk together. Hallelujah. We get to rejoice together. Amen. Are you ready to give? Got the handsome ushers tonight. Glory to God. And uh, so we'll pray. Lord, bless the offering, this running over offering uh, for the future. We'll sow into the future, Lord, at your direction. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. The ushers will wait upon. Oh, if you, if you need an envelope, anybody need an envelope? Here we need some. Amen. And again, if you're filling out the credit card form, please don't write in tongues. Uh, uh, Otherwise, we'll just add a zero. We'll penalize you. (laughs) Amen. No, we won't. I'm joking. You know, I always got to be careful because there might be a guest that never figured out I got a bad sense of humor. Amen. Well, while you're doing that, and then the ushers will wait on the people, we do have some announcements. Tomorrow, noon to three, Saturday, at Amos Her Park, the youth and young adults, anybody going into eighth grade up to 20-somethings, so I guess that's 29 and three quarters, Uh, we're going to be doing the youth and young adults will be having a full contact Dutch blitz. I'm glad you know what it is. I don't. Ultimate Frisbee, <laughs> spike ball, basketball, and football. Cold water will be provided. Bring snacks if you want them. Amen. So praise God. Young people, let her rip. You still have energy left. Go for it. I'm going to sleep tomorrow. Amen. That's, that's real honest. Amen. We've been having a good week, though. Praise God. Trust everyone's healthy and happy and whole. Amen. Glory to God. Hasn't it been good? Thank you so much, Miss Debbie. Where are you hiding? There she is. Everybody give Debbie a hand clap. She put this whole thing together, as she does every year. And 
And she's organized so many wonderful people who have fed us more food than we deserve. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone. Give them a hand clap. Everybody prepared. And uh, wonderful, wonderful meals. Praise God. I appreciate it. Everywhere I turn around, I see all the different folks serving the Lord from the security guys and going without being able to be in the service, making sure things are right. You know, we got our soundboard, we've got the worship team, we got Pastor Bob over here uh, that I don't say enough good about. Amen. What's that? Oh, in children's ministry? Yeah, Terry, sorry about that. Thank God for children's ministry. The youth helped clean up. God bless you guys. Amen. 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 The Lord's been good to us. Praise God. I'm so blessed. We've got, again, tonight, our dear friends from Harrisburg, Dave and Barbara, with us. See, a lot of you probably don't know, but Dave and I actually had the same girlfriend for a while. We both, we both fell in love with the former Soviet Union. And uh, we, we share that in our heart and our passion, and that, that just makes it joined us at the hips. What? You come and say hello to the folks. Just something on your heart or some sage advice or a prophetic utterance. It's always good to be with uh, Pastor Dale and uh, the family of God here at Church of the Word. And uh, it's just, I don't know, I feel at home here. You've made me feel at home for many, many years. And... Uh, like I said, we, we had the same girlfriend for many, many years. <laughs> but uh, we're anxious to get, I'm anxious to get back into that scene. And uh, yeah, we're praying for the peace that Russia needs to have uh, happen between that and Ukraine so that we can travel there again, stuff like that. So, amen. I don't need to say anything else, but I'm doing well. Hallelujah. It's good to, good to be here. Amen. Thank you, David. Barb, you want to say anything? Hallelujah. Yeah, that's right, David. Uh, the Russian, I've been, I've been real bold about it. Uh, the Russian government's going to break. It's going to fold. Putin's going to go away. And Russia's going to open up for revival again. And Ukrainian pastors are going to go everywhere, east to west. And, and uh, why don't you and I go for it with them, too? In Jesus' name, they need us. We need them, their passion and their fire. It's been inspiring, had and I don't know about you. I always learned more than I gave. I think watching watching them pray all night and seek God and rejoice and dance and Hallelujah! Believe God to the end, Amen. Amen. But uh, it's interesting. You, you you start in one place and forty years later, here you are. Glory to God. Well, Robin came to me earlier. He had something he wanted to play for us. And uh, he's been doing some amazing things with audio. So we're going to give Robin a chance. What is it? Two or three minutes? Two? Three minutes. So let's, let's listen up. We're going to listen to this young preacher. When I think of all the ways in which my life has changed, I thank God. The past memories of how it used to be mean nothing to me. It's a time of new beginnings. All those years I spent trying to be free. But what did I find? 
It's all behind us now, and the only thing I have to hold on to, the only thing I will hold on to for the rest of my life, is a man called Jesus Christ. I know it's difficult for some to see. Some say he's a fantasy. Some say he's a miracle that just couldn't be. Well, I would beg to disagree. I hope I offend no one tonight. None of you guys. It's been 12 years. Right now, I'm scared out of my wits. But the things I say are not for myself. I speak all this for your sake and for the sake of whose I am. I could talk all night till I got blue in the face. But when everything is cut and dry, when it all comes down in the end, it would always come back to what happened on Calvary, where they put a man on a cross and hung him by nails. You say you've heard it all before. You've heard lots of preaching so many times. But I wonder, have you ever given him the chance to prove himself? He's real. He stands at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. I've wanted to say all the right things. I sat around home today and thought up clever lines. But when I finally began to realize that I would only be able to say a few things, and maybe only a few things would ever remain in your hearts and in your minds, I realized that the best thing I could tell you is God loves you. And he sent his only son is living proof. The best thing I can say is God loves you. Come to Jesus. I pray to God you'll find out before it's too late that you need another life. Someone has to pay the price. You can pay it yourself or you can let someone else. The saddest part is that most people don't find out until they're half dead. Either someone they love leaves them for someone else and their entire world is crumbled. Or maybe they face death for the first time. Or maybe some morning you wake up in a hospital and for the first time in your life the circumstances will force you to ask the question why? What's it all about? Why am I even alive? Ask the questions tonight, please. And God bless you. And God be with you. Every one of you. What is that, Robin? That recording. That's 40 years ago at my graduation. High school graduation. That was me. <laughs> So he shocked me a little bit. He wanted to play it. So you want to hear a squeaky voice of an 18-year-old kid? <laughs> well, I guess last count, I was pretty sure seven of my classmates came to me over the years and said they got born again that night. Isn't that exciting? The Word works. Then it keeps on working. And I don't know about you, I'm going to keep on working. 
David's going to keep on working. We've got one thing to do, and that's preach this gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for sharing us, that with us, Robin. One of the things we'll, we'll, what happened is I had all these boxes and boxes of tapes. And uh, they were in the garage. And I talked today about how I'm kind of a pack rat. And I got all these tapes. Terry was saying, when are you going to throw them away? And that'd break my heart. It's like, no, I can't throw them things away, you know. And, yeah, but they're wasting space. <laughs> and God touched Robin's heart to set up a whole sound system and digitize all of them. I don't know how many you did. How many was it, Robin? 1,600 sermons. Anybody want to hear them? Where? Again. <laughs> Actually, I was listening to one and you were laughing in it. <laughs> he has the best laugh on the planet Earth. We're going we're gonna to slowly start making them available uh, because they're, they're full of the word, aren't they, Robin? He had to listen to all of them. Glory to God. No wonder you're not dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil tried to kill him. He ain't dead. He don't die easy. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Whew. Well, I remember that night. I was scared out of my mind. But you don't have to be afraid to speak his word, do you? Amen. Well, I'm nervous tonight, too, standing in front of all these scary people. 